1976, the Viking 1 orbiter, flying some 1,100 miles above Mars, photographed a region called Cydonia. Close inspection of one frame revealed what looked like a human face gazing soulfully into eternity. A Viking project scientist showed the image to the press, dismissed it as a trick of light and shadow, and the face on Mars was forgotten. For a while. Three years later, Vincent DiPietro and Gregory Molnar, computer imaging specialists at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Maryland, analyzed the computer enhancement of the face and decided it merited a serious look. Science raspberried them, but it was too late. A new subculture had been born. Today, two groups, the Mars Project in Santa Cruz, California, and the Mars Mission in Wytheville, Virginia, exist solely to push the idea that the face and nearby structures may be monuments left by a long-vanished intelligent civilization. Of the two groups, mm. the latter, founded by science writer Richard Hoagland, is the more energetic. Hoagland wants NASA to reshoot Cydonia when the Mars Observer returns to the planet in 1993, and he pursues this vision with zeal reminiscent of Burt Lancaster in The Rainmaker. Like many people involved in missionary work on behalf of fringe topics, Hoagland believes he's being thwarted by higher-ups intent on muffling the truth. In this case, the higher-ups are at NASA. In a 1989 letter to Representative Robert Rowe, the chairman of the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology, Hoagland charged that, uh, that political obstacles within NASA have blocked serious consideration of this evidence for 13 years. The latest alleged outrage involves the cancellation of a documentary called Hoagland's Mars that was produced by NASA's Lewis Research Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Hoagland's version of what happened goes like this. In March 1990, he was invited to speak to a group of Lewis employees. During that visit, Lynn Bondurant, educational program chief, interviewed him about the face with the documentary in mind. Hoban was pleased to learn that Bondurant would give our work a fair hearing, putting it in the context of the history of Mars explorations. The program was scheduled for a January 6, 1991 satellite transmission for PBS stations, says Hoban, when NASA pulled the plug. Why? Ooh. Because the planetary science community hit the roof. They were absolutely furious that the subject was going to be legitimized. Now, Hoagland says, the program is being recut to put me in the same camp as Percival Lowell, as a well-meaning buffoon. The source close to the production says the program is being revised to present other views in the face. That's probably a good idea, because the script I have doesn't present the full pageantry of Hoagland's ideas. It covers his belief that the arrangement of the face and surrounding structures reveals encoded mathematical constants, but it fails to mention his wider extrapolations. Hoagland and the geomorphologist Errol Toron argue in a self-published paper that the constants give a startling insight into planetary physics. The theorizing gets pretty dense. The tetrahedral geometry is revealing an equivalent higher-order mathematical typology, i.e. a vortacular two-torus energy flow. The bottom line is this. The entities who built Cydonia were trying to tell the universe about a new physics that may involve a hitherto unknown relationship between two of the four basic forces of the universe, gravity and electromagnetism, i.e. a unified field. Coincidentally, Whoa. the miracle math of Cydonia Coney's, uh, in, oh, sorry, comes into play in a mind device called the N-Machine, which Hoagland enthusiastically promotes. Invented by physicist Bruce De Palma, brother of Hollywood director Brian, 
The end machine, as Hoagland puts it, generates more energy out of the interaction between quote-unquote space and the high-speed rotation of a spinning mass and is required by the motors that mechanically rotate those masses. Interesting parallel with like the emphasis on spinning in De Palma's own cinematography across all of his movies. But anyway, I was thinking about uh, moving through space, how important it is for him to move the camera through space and like motion is so critical to him. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this article gets even more interesting. Uh, Hoagland dares to say that from which uh, most physicists recoil, we may be talking about energy coming from nothing. He has been flogging this miracle device on For the People, an overheated radio talk show in Cedar Key, Florida. Hoagland and Chuck Harder, the show's host, get pretty imaginative. After cancellation of Hoagland's Mars, Harder said, I gotta believe one of the reasons Hoagland's Mars isn't put on ice has gotta be because of the Middle East thing. Once your program would be transmitted, the press would jump on it, and it might steal some of the thunder from Bush's project. Hoagland replied, well, it's even more disturbing than that. Hoagland's Mars is the opening gun to a whole new way of life that taps a virtually inexhaustible energy source for the benefit of mankind. We are about to go to war over a resource that is really useless. Hoagland, buffoon or the Einstein of the 1990s? Only time will tell. For those wanting a closer look, Hoagland's new version of Hoagland's Mars with all the theories is available from Curly and Company, Signal Mountain, Tennessee. So... Wow. Yeah. According I mean, to this, all, all yeah. of this. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. This must be referring to like the first Gulf War. Like this is yeah. even talking about yeah. Iraq, which is interesting. You know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, they're talking about the first itself. Gulf War. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned the Mars well, that's what Bruce said when when yeah. Bush senior Bush the first uh, invaded yeah. Kuwait. He realized what the capital F future was going to be, that these sickos are going to keep using oil as like the backbone of like industrial civilization and they're not going to tell the people or roll this thing out and there's too many people that have too much to lose basically in terms of their their wealth hoarding and their power and everything else that they're never going to let this shit happen you know so uh but you know i don't I, know I, this could all I be a psyop believe that like it encoded in like the pyramids of cydonia is like a the program of a new physics that will create free energy but it does kind of that explain, might be a psyop <laughs> it does kind of explain like brian de palma's involvement in mission to mars because I mean, but it's kind of changed in a way because it's not about like a new physics that will give us free energy. Instead, it's about like how aliens created us. Like, and yeah, so it's kind of which like a did, did Hoagland of promote that? Did uh, Hoagland promote seem, that idea? I mean, maybe, uh, maybe he did think that. I mean, I guess he must have thought at least that these aliens were humanoid in some way. But it seems like more like, well, the idea in Mission to Mars is basically the same that like these structures have a code in them somehow like in mission to mars is like the yeah. sound they're projecting or whatever like is what is sending it but like basically yeah like the whole idea that there's like a code to be read some kind of cryptogram that can be decoded that will have some secret thing you know that is still in the movie so you def i definitely can see the influence of that on the film and there's a really yeah. in, there's a really interesting parallel there with if you want to think about how De Palma's interest in this movie, I, I, it's kind of sounds like is much more about like he, he does spend a lot of time in this like code thing of like, oh, there's like a secret kind of numerical, like a universal language or something that like we can use science to like decode. But then the result of that, instead of getting a kind of free energy technology, that means we don't have to have wars or like capitalism anymore. Uh, it ends up they get access to 
like a kind of Disney theme park ride that psyops them with a fairy tale about how they were created by ETs. Mm. So in a way, it's like it's like Disney getting in there at the end to like offer it's a, a more compatible vision of kind of what they like what finding something like this would kind of uh, result in. It's like a changing images of man result instead of changing our technology yeah, in a kind it really of is, real way. Yeah, it will only change, like, it will only change, basically, I mean, I guess it could go to Mars and, like, maybe uh, get something out of this, like, in terms of, like, actual, yeah, but mostly it's going to be, like, an ideological shift when we realize that, you know, we came from Mars or whatever, and that our, uh, yeah. really, it's not even that significant, because, yeah, it just seems like they dropped some seed. I mean, it is, like, obviously a big deal, but yeah, it's odd. Like, it just basically serves to... I don't know, yeah, it's almost like, okay, well, now, like, all your religions are false, even though it wouldn't really necessarily make that the case, but, like, you know, the actual... And we still have to use oil. are so far away, they're not going to communicate with us. Yeah, we still have to use oil, like, you know, they're not... Yeah, nothing really like changes. Yeah, yeah like, perfect one Joseph guy Campbell went out to them, the ship left, like, are we ever going to be able to, like, even meet these aliens again, or are we just going to somehow, like, know that we now need to worship, like, that, like, stupid hologram ostrich rainforest cafe <laughs> alien exactly. operation, yeah. and, like, that's it. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you definitely it's can underwhelming. see uh, like in the, yeah, and the discourse anyway. You definitely can see like all these ideas about Mars, the consistencies and the the continuities over time with the you know the idea of the Middle East and colonialism and the desert and resources and things like that being like shifted across these different paradigms and evolution and things like that. You know, it's uh, it's very yeah. interesting in a way. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. absolutely. Maybe we'll we'll move on with a, like a little, you know, shorter uh, discussion of like maybe these other two competing movies. But before we move on, finally, for Mission to Mars, I, I feel remiss if I did not read because this was a pretty popular review. Most of the reviews were negative. Oh, yeah, right. But there was one uh, man. There was one there was one critic who was not afraid to stand up for Mission to Mars. And that man was, of course, Armand White. And uh, you can't, it's really hard to even find his review. Like, you really have to dig through, like, archive.org to, like, find a working uh, copy of this review. But I just wanted to read, you know, for, for, you know, for the listeners that loved Mission to Mars or put it in their top five De Palma movies, which I saw mm-hmm. some people do, you know, maybe <laughs> we want to, and, and given all this background that makes it seem so much more complicated, I thought maybe I'd just read, like, part of Armand White's take and we can just, you know, as a, as you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see. So, mm-hmm. Armand White wrote uh, in 2000, one small step for man, one giant leap backwards for film culture. That describes the fate of Mission to Mars. Readers have asked for a fuller accounting of Mission to Mars' pleasures following last week's decrying of its critical mishandling. So let's start with De Palma's opening, an elegant visual joke in which a rocket launch turns out to be a firecracker. It satirizes mankind's ambitions. It recalls a poignant trope in the stage musical Titanic. Adults sing about technological wonders, human aspiration, then a child runs downstage holding high a toy sailboat, the symbol of his own dreams that puts everything in perspective. De Palma isn't gaga over space exploration. Like Robert Altman in Countdown, he sticks to the human story of competition and obligation. His opening barbecue scene encapsulates the life habits of astronaut families. The single flowing Steadicam shot implies that every one of them, potentially in a moment of separation or death, is being viewed by an omniscient, pitiless eye. The sequence ends as Gary Sinise, one of the astronauts left behind, ruefully observes his own footprint in the backyard dirt. 
De Palma cuts to the surface of Mars, NASA's giant leap kept in perspective as a small cosmic step. Then the film's fateful view of all human effort begins. These simple images are rich, but critics and deluded viewers aren't reading them. They look right past their beauty and meaning. Viewer idiocy hasn't been this maddening since the lost world, and there too, the filmmakers daring to center a dangerous expedition around a black person, a girl child in the lost world, Don Cheadle here, goes unappreciated by mainstream critics. Along with his visual sophistication, De Palma nonchalantly makes a cultural advance. When people complain, the dialogue was bad, it only means they weren't really listening, because it's quite good. In fact, they're just remembering dialogue from similar movies rather than actually looking at this film's imagery. Mission to Mars is easily misunderstood by Hollywood-trained audiences wanting a big-screen cartoon like Star Wars or Independence Day. It has the misfortune of opening in an era so degraded by marketing that audiences can no longer see movies clearly. Films get interpreted through promotional hype and the familiar formula of previous hits. But De Palma seeks viewers' personal responses, fresh responses. He demands independent viewers, not those who want Armageddon or else feel nothing is happening on the screen. The ideal way to see Mission to Mars is not to have seen any other movie remotely like it, or better yet, to recognize how it is a precise poetic expression of your private feelings about family, society, existence. Mission to Mars turns otherworldly dazzlement into philosophy. It finds surprising means to our deepest feelings. De Palma has made a truly radical movie, even though its form seems most routine. Mission to Mars boldly meditates on the sci-fi propositions that film geeks prefer trivialized. By eerily familiarizing Mars's landscape, De Palma makes space exploration pertinent. Why should a 60-year-old man make a pow-zowie space movie? We ought to benefit from what this artist knows is important in life, and that's what the fantasy of Mission to Mars expresses. De Palma was always above genre glibness. His thrillers are basically confrontations with death. It's simply that his talent, mastering tropes from Hitchcock and Wells and Goddard, was inseparable from youthful impudence. Contemplating a NASA team's mission as a humanitarian effort, he claims moral gravity in place of genre parody. Like that other early postmodernist Stanley Kubrick, De Palma examines basic human feelings in extraordinary circumstances, taking the space movie seriously the way his previous thrillers probed sexual and moral essence. Those not used to thinking of De Palma this way will draw a shallow connection to Kubrick's 2001, but here's the connection that really matters. In 1968, Kubrick received a telegram from Federico Fellini congratulating him on his unorthodox foray into outer space. The Fellini gram read simply, You made me dream, eyes open. Dreaminess is De Palma's mode. Zero gravity gives the effect of constant slow-mo so that the plot, Gary Sinise and Tim Robbins in the year 2020 embarking on a mission to rescue fellow astronaut John Cheadle, gets a consistently stylized treatment. This turns pulp into art. Indulging his love of steady cam long takes, De Palma gives lyricism to almost every action in the story, starting with a backyard barbecue on through a life-and-death struggle in the void. And, you know, he talks about the mellifluous camera and um, blah, blah, blah. Right. And this, yeah, yeah. I, can get, I, can, <laughs> I can get what he's saying, like everything. But like, how can you possibly excuse that alien? Like and also Armin White is well, such like, a, you know, religious conservative. Like, how could you get on board with like this weird, like obvious attempt to make people worship like, you know, a cartoon alien Madonna. Even if what Mission of Mars has said was true, just in case, like, I mean, it's not true, but if anyone, like, gets psyched into believing that, like, don't let it shake your Iman or your religious convictions, because, like, God still created those aliens, even if those aliens incidentally, you know, seeded the Earth. But that's obviously, like, what they're getting at. Like, they're obviously, like, getting at, like, you know, you know, like, the Palm even said, like, there's a spirituality to it. They're obviously getting at, like, oh, you know, 
these aliens are our gods or whatever. And then we are them that we are our own gods and we can become them, etc. You know? Yes. Yeah. Well, here's why he, he liked it. His final paragraph here, he says that De Palma single handedly matures the genre. <laughs> um, okay. Mission to Mars's message. Yeah. Mission to Mars's message. They're us. We're them. Refutes the silly us versus them warfare of Independence Day and Star Wars. His anthropological embrace includes the discovery of a Martian edifice with African lines, much like Cheadle's physiognomy and Sinise's intense almond eyes are uncannily alienish. True. We see the primordial looking black man. Cheadle at one point recalls Richard Pryor's mudbone as different but he's us. Just as Sinise seems to intuit his own relation to an evolved species. We all are visibly related. One of the astronauts testifies the universe isn't chaos. It's connection. Life reaching out to us. She expresses faith. That's also where Walter Hill's supernova was headed. And De Palma confirms her beliefs by mission's circular demonstration of life's regenerative cycles. So he feels like it, it basically validates faith. It also, like, is not racist. Like, uh, I guess everything else written by, you know, Burroughs and um, and H.G. Wells, like, in yes. terms of our connection to E.T.'s. But well, still, I, did, I mean... I did our, pick up on, like, an anti-racist aspect to it where, like... You know, yeah. for in the hand holding scene where the alien is like, let's hold hands. And then like, you know, the white astronauts hold hands with Don Cheadle. It almost seemed like, yeah, we're all con- like kind of like an anti-racist, like we're all connected message. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I get his point in that. Like, yeah, it does affirm like, quote unquote, faith in a broad way. Like it definitely was like highly spiritual. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's like going in like any kind of like positive direction i don't know i feel like de palma was thwarted i feel like he was thwarted by disney who wanted to put their own message in there which was like get ready to worship your et forefathers everybody yeah and i mean i do get the idea of you know i mean it it is better than some ancient alien interpretations where like it would just be like a a giant like really tall white guy uh, you know, having it be kind of like a, a vaguely African mother goddess, uh, I pr- mm-hmm. assume is like a bit more like woke and less problematic than having like than the Nazi, like the explicitly sure. Nazi version of that. But it's still <laughs> yeah, like yes. a little bit like New World, One World Religion. Uh, we almost yep, commu- yep, go, go to the center go. of the galaxy and embrace the alien Fatima. I don't know. Maybe people it's were disappointed us. because the E.T. didn't offer them, like, a perpetual motion machine, you know, to, like, take this back to Earth and you will have free energy. Because then, you know, that's the ultimate, that's the offer you can't refuse. If some sus E.T. shows up with a fucking end machine and says, you know, this is the solution to global warming and all your problems, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to say no to that. That's why I'm I'm on my tip, just like you're on the egg tip. I'm on the tip of they're going to launder the end machine through fucking fake ETs <laughs> and then monopolize um, it. And like Northern Trust is going to own the fucking end machine. It's, it's the Northern Trust machine, uh, basically. Well, or, you is, know, it, Raytheon, Boeing, they're all going to. Well, it is interesting because it almost seems like, you know, it, at the end of the movie, I think it is worth noting that it almost seems like the aliens and their reality is going to remain occulted because like the ship takes off from it almost seems like the structure of the face is like destroyed by the takeoff of Gary Sinise's ship towards wherever the aliens went after Mars was destroyed. And You're that, right. It like, does explode after that. Yeah. So it seems like there won't actually be like any. So it's like it's going to be almost based on like faith in these astronauts as the new like prophets of this or something, you know, like they're going to have to, oh my God, yeah, they're going to have to explain it. Everyone's just going to, and everyone's just going to take their word for it because yeah, exactly. It's this weird sort of thing where it's almost this occult knowledge where, yeah, it is very different from like, 
if the aliens, like, you know, were to just, I don't know, if their technology were able to, like, scan Earth, like, periodically, like, from within the face, they were able to scan Earth to detect their DNA, uh, or maybe to detect, like, radio signals coming off of Earth or something, you know? I, I feel like... True, how would they know How would they know what the DNA of humans was if they just well, shot, like, a panspermia seed? It's their DNA, because we have their DNA. That's why. But then why don't they look like us? Well, because they're more evolved than we are, but we'll eventually become like them, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, it kind of doesn't, it kinda doesn't add up. But like, uh, it does, no, it doesn't quite make sense. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I'm saying it makes just as much sense that they were, like, waiting for us to come to Mars and then input a DNA code uh, like, you know, the only, like, otherwise we would get killed by, like, a lost smoke monster if we didn't put in the correct DNA code. Like, the expectation... It's like, literally the Indiana that, Jones ride at Disneyland. Yeah, like, they, I mean, why didn't they just create, like, some kind of, uh, way for, to, like, scan the Earth, you know, with, like, a radio beacon or something that would then, like, be detected and transmit, like, I don't know, some kind of, like, Voyager message that would say you <laughs> right know, i don't aliens. know like, like yeah like, like, like a, when you detect a nuclear on, explosion like, an, an elite like you know equina safa of like you know humans to come to you know uh, an elite like occult circle of humans to enter into the the alien head and like get the truth and then like bring it back to earth like but it can't really be shared with the mass of people you know it is a kind of like scientific they're, they're religion. The elite, they're the elite intelligentsia, you know. They're the they're the fascista. Yeah. They're the liberal fascisti who have to come back and <laughs> oh, impart no. the aliens' message that we're all connected. I mean, yeah, like uh, the alien. I do see the evocation of African art, but I the sort of holding hands circle aliens kind of gave me a little bit of like Nazi Olympia vibes too. Like that mm. sort of statue, like of them all holding hands. Like it gave me a little bit mm, of yeah. like. George Kolbe sculpture, sculpture a bit, like sort <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, for sure, for sure. But yeah, who can say? What is it that powers this thing? Helium nuclear power cell. It's the size of a beer can and it runs it for eight months. Hey, sweetie. Sweetie. Jumping the landing gear. Amy's in there. No choice. Hey, it's your girlfriend. She made it. Hey, Amy. I thought you were dead. Good to see you. Ah, oh, you're kind of banged up. Are you a little out of whack? Flip over for me. system now. MPS hard drives modular. It's self-powered. We can run it through an HH. That'd be killing her. You want me to do it? No, I'll, I'll do it. Switching to Red Bull mode. Name search initiating. Work dogs detected. Work dogs detected. You people are literally trapped in petty bourgeois mindset. It's so sad. The idea of transitioning out of capitalism is academic crap. 
completely broken brain linked to garbage, denial of class relations contradictions, madness. The GOP is a workers' party, Lenin was PMC, Tucker is best, primitive accumulation, in the United Kingdom in 2019, stop reading David Harvey for fuck's sake. Virgin Texas is not a fucking groomy you retards. Targeting AOC, targeting AOC. Target acquired, initiate quote tweet. You own nothing but have access to a bot and you will be happy. Amy will not live in the pod. Amy will not eat the bugs. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Requisite at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad.